This episode of Converge with my guest, Jay Allison, is sponsored by GoBe Collective. GoBe is my favorite community for creative entrepreneurs on the internet. It's built from the ground up to inspire, equip, and catalyze you and your business. Want to join the collective? Check out gobecollective.com. Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things. And when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work, and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. In the world of independent broadcast journalism, think public radio, Jay Allison is a legend. His work airs on NPR's All Things Considered, Morning Edition, This American Life. He's curated and produced This I Believe on NPR, and he's co-produced on several projects. And he's done all of this from the context of a little fishing village up in the northeast of the United States. Most recently, he's been heavily involved with a website called transom.org. Uh, and the Public Radio Exchange, both resources that if you love radio, you have to familiarize yourself with. But bottom line, uh, if you have ever appreciated long-form narrative storytelling, uh, if you want to learn more about what it takes to make that kind of work or what it takes to make a body of work like he has created, listen in today and you'll be excited. But more than that, and this is what I really want you to listen for, is to pay attention to the why behind what he does. One of the simple skills of storytelling is creating a scene, you know, and picking just the right word or words that immediately develop an image in the mind of the listener. I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. Jay Allison, welcome to Converge. It's good to be here. I mean, even though I'm in my house, it's yeah. nice to be with you too. Well, you're you're in your house in in a, in a great part of the land. We we talked before we started, and you were telling me about your breakfast, and it it sounded a little idyllic. You had children running through the fields picking berries for you or something. That's right. I know it's more. It's not like that every single day, but you did happen that you know. There's this convention on the radio where you ask people what they have for breakfast to set their levels, which your audience knows, I'm sure. But my breakfast was particularly good this morning. It was like scenic. You do life on the East Coast. Uh, talk a little bit about your context. Uh, you mean where my my the context of my very existence? You mean? Well, yeah, kind. Of. I mean, I know you live uh, through radio waves and have <laughs> for some time, but you call home uh, on the Atlantic coast. Talk a little bit about. Yeah, that. I do. Right on the coast, I live in uh, Woods Hole, Massachusetts, which is a little former village, uh, fishing village, now mostly a scientific community. It's on Cape Cod. It's. Uh, uh, on Vineyard Sound on one side and Buzzards Bay on the other. And uh, I have a little boat and I like to go fishing. But I also ha I started the radio stations that serve this, uh, the public radio stations that serve this region. That's um, Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard, Cape Cod, and then the south coast of Massachusetts. Uh, and I do a lot of radio work out of a little teeny studio. You know, you need less and less space to do this, as you know, because you're just sitting in a room somewhere and... <laughs> broadcasting well it's you have a lot of context you've seen a lot over the years and and you're right there's a sense in which now is the moment where all of a sudden it seems people can create a almost a station uh in their in their closet and and 
I, I love the context you're describing because it, it speaks to the power of radio and that you can you can create a little space and you can create a beacon of storytelling or content. But but it's interesting because some of our listeners and I should qualify this. Our listeners are people who make things out of what they make, and they are folks who they're maybe trying to make a buck. They might be entrepreneurs. They may be trying to make a point. Maybe they're nonprofits, but they have some medium that they're leveraging. It could be photography, it could be radio, it could be uh, acting, it could be anything. But they're and they're trying to leverage that thing as a vehicle to to interrupt life or make a point. And um, it seems like that's the kind of thing you have been doing from the very beginning. Talk a little bit about the the evolution of your experience with making radio. You know, I started in radio, I, I think, really as a way to just uh, use a microphone as a way to discover, a, a, to, to find out about other people's lives. I mean, it, it was really kind of that simple. I, uh, you pick up a microphone and you go out into the world and you get to ask anybody anything. And uh, so I... I was very curious. I sometimes worry that I'm not quite as curious as I used to be. In fact, it's something I think about a lot. But uh, or, or all of us, as we get older, do we get less curious, or do we think we already know uh, what people are going to say and what the answers are? Anyway, at that point in my 20s, I did not, and I and I accidentally encountered public radio just as it was kind of being born or NPR was. I was in Washington, D.C., and a guy loaned me a tape recorder, a reel-to-reel machine. They were just coming out. Uh, you'd use a bunch of D-cell batteries. It was Sony 800B, and you'd record on 15-minute reels. You'd have to replace them every so often, and then you, I would cut my master with a razor blade to make radio shows for NPR, and I, uh, NPR just started. They didn't. I don't think they really even know, knew who worked there. I didn't. Uh, but I just wandered in, and they the doors were open all the time. They didn't have security, and I think they thought I worked there. And I, a, a, anyway, that was the, in some way, that was really inspiring to me. That the, you know, nobody really listened to NPR at that point, and uh, but I was just a citizen of the United States, and I could walk into this. Uh, uh, building and uh, tell stories for anybody listening in the rest of the country. And to me, that was just like, it's. it seemed like, well, this is the way it should be. So in some sense, <clears throat> uh, I've been trying to kind of propagate that idea and pass on tape recorders and skills and encourage other people to tell their stories or get into this uh this large enterprise of sharing stories with each other, you know, uh, which seems like the best thing public radio can do. Like, just let us get to know each other a little better, uh, be not so afraid of each other, a little bit of understanding, a little bit of empathy. That all seems like good stuff to me and still does. One of the reasons why I discovered Transom was purely gear-driven. You guys do a great job of, of gear reviews, and and I should back up and say um, uh, I'm a photographer by trade before I started getting into the audio space, and I, I noticed that when I first got into it, I, I was actually just drawn into, like, gadgetry. I just loved I loved fiddling and, and playing and was amazed by – it was like a magic wand that things could get created. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's kind of an entry point for a lot of folks. So I guess, I, I guess that my – my two-pronged question is, first, talk a little bit about what Transom offers in terms of those, those resources. But then the second thing that I'm, I'm also very curious about, which is, you know, once you get past the gear and you learn a couple techniques on, on how to do some things, 
in my experience, it really comes down to your capacity to have systems to capture and re- and tell stories from a unique perspective. And that storytelling piece, because uh, it seems like one of the harder pieces to, it feels ethereal, like it's just a little out of reach. Like, how do I, how do I get my head around doing this in a serious way? And I know you guys, uh, like with the, I love listening to Rob Rosenthal's how sound and right. uh, how the, it, it kind of, it, it helps me deconstruct and really see and hear. And he's doing way more than just talking about storytelling technique. He's really telling this meta communication on, now you can actually learn how to storytell yes. beyond just technique. And so, so talk a little bit about the kind of the comprehensive nature of what you guys are offering at Transom. Cause it's, there's a lot there. Uh, well, it's it, it's sort of organized into tools, which you mentioned. I mean, all of us are a little bit geeky, sort of artist geek types. We have a guy named Jeff Town, who's seriously the most generous audio engineer in, in America, who tells you everything you need to know about every kind of, you know, recorder, microphone, software. And uh, he, he counsels people. <laughs> I don't know how he has time for his life because he'll, someone will ask him a question and the, the email response like, four or five pages long with every possible nuance and uh so jeff is there and all the tool stuff and a lot of people do come in that way because you do have to have a little bit of technological uh interest i think to pull this off unless you have a partner who does and you're the you know i mean it's it's a great medium for collaboration so you don't have to but tools is one part of uh transom and then the um and then the rest of it is we have people coming doing manifestos, writing about their lives in public media. It's just a real array of folks from, you know, Radiolab and This American Life. And uh, uh, Sarah Koenig is working on one for us. Uh, Stephanie Fu has got one coming up from This American Life. Um, uh, a lot of a lot of stuff we do is sort of about pushing public broadcasting, figuring out how to make it sort of better, more relevant, more open, include more voices. We had a great man manifesto from a guy named Chenjirai Kumanyika about the whiteness of public radio uh, and how to sound, how if you are a African-American male, what, you know, you said you tried to sound like Ira Glass. Well, he found himself trying to sound sort of like that. And he said, but wait, that's not me at all. So how am I supposed to sound? How do I fit? How does my sound, my tone, my sensibility fit in this context? And so we're interested in all sorts of philosophical stuff and then practical storytelling things. You mentioned Rob Rosenthal's How Sound podcast, which is a project of Transom and PRX, uh, and that kind of breaks it down for you. We have lots of pieces on craft, like how to use music, how to mix, how to cut, uh, uh, and then... Um, and we have shows, people put their sort of adventuresome work up there, new things they're trying that push at the edges of public broadcasting. And then finally, we teach workshops. People come here to Woods Hole for two months and immerse themselves in storytelling till when they leave, they uh, they can do this work anywhere. And, uh, and then we have week-long workshops around the country and such too. So that's a quick overview of what Transom is. It's a nonprofit, and we just started the you know, pass the baton of this whole thing and make sure people were interested in doing it and the public broadcasting stayed vital. And happily, at least the energy around public broadcasting is now really refreshed and there's just lots of interesting new people in it. Well, it's funny, you mentioned, funny, interesting, not funny, aha, but uh, you mentioned earlier the, the, the some of the questions that are up right now around these terrestrial 
kind of landlocked towers and stations. And then you think of, uh, you know, the Internet age. And in some ways, I think of in your neck of the woods, um, there's the Salt Institute that was there forever. And uh, as I understand it, um, they're 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 closing their doors. But it but they seem to have a similar mission to what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great, it's been a traditionally terrific uh, documentary training institute in Portland, Maine. Uh, they fell on financial hard times. I don't know really the inside story much, but I know lots and lots of SALT grads and lots of them in public broadcasting. And uh, there's talk of them reopening maybe uh, configured differently in some management way. And, you know, I hope they do because they just turned out lots and lots of great people. They did. They have tracks in photography, writing, and radio. Well, the reason I bring them up is because when I think of what Transom is doing, in a sense, it, it, again, it comes back to this kind of how do you train the next generation? And even when I hear, um, like sometimes Rob will, he did a great piece uh, maybe a month ago where he, uh, he somebody gave him permission to kind of re-edit their own show. And, yeah, and, yeah, and, Nina. Yeah, and I th she's a student of ours here, well, right? Th that's actually my point. Is everyone's a student of yours? Like, like not, <laughs> not everyone, but like that seems like. And it's funny, even talking with Starley um, about what Alex Bloomberg's doing with Gimlet. Like, they have Friday afternoons where he's just training people. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. That's so great. It is, and, and and critical yeah. because otherwise, uh, you know, he and Matt when they're trying to hire people, I, I'm sure, especially now that you know, in this the popularity of things like serial and so much, so many people are listening to this kind of kind of medium and form uh they want to learn how to do it but it turns out that everyone's applying for these jobs but none of them are really qualified like if i apply right. for a job i until i get kind of that like I'm, I'm looking at your woods hole thing and i have four kids and a wife here in in california the likelihood of me coming there for two months if i want my family here when i come home is pretty, yeah. pretty low but but it does seem like transom is creating this vehicle to uh to really maybe at a slower pace, but really invite people into a deeper engagement uh, with with the medium. Uh, so so it seems like, and I'm making more an observation than a question, but it seems more like your your efforts with Transom could be setting a model for how we how we do replicate this into future generations. But I'm guessing we need a lot more than Transom to do that. Like we need a lot of yeah. We're a, we're a little, you know, look, we're in a little fishing village, you know what I mean? And we don't truly have ambitions to grow. I don't see any great advantage to getting bigger and bigger and running like the transom, you know, traveling university or anything. And and partly our secret sauce is Rob, who's a terrific teacher. Um, and then we have the website itself, which is always sitting there. You mentioned Alex Blumberg. He wrote one of the great transom manifestos on storytelling, which you should check out if you haven't. But anyway, again, and everybody just the people do sort of pass through and then they and then they share what they know with other people uh, uh, which is lovely I have two final questions one connects to integration of mediums so um, as a photographer who likes audio, I've actually, I'm starting to believe that radio or audio is my own biases. I think it's one of the more perfect, um, uh, mediums in the internet age, precisely because it doesn't require a screen. Um, yeah. and, and 
it's uh, it's detachable uh, and you can do something. I like a people, whoever's listening to this right now, I'm sure they're not giving it their full attention. Maybe we should, I should speak more loudly or, 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 or more quietly. Uh, but yeah, they're doing their driving or they're sitting around or they're exercising, they're doing the dishes or whatever. And maybe they're listening to it six months from now because they subscribed and they never kind of got around to it. Uh, but that all those qualities are terrific for the modern age because it's a medium for the multitasker. Well, the other part that I've been struck by is, you know, as a photographer, just how visual a medium uh, audio is. Like, uh, I think that's what I'm so struck by is, you know, for every 100 people that listen to a story being told well well through this medium, uh, they're making up 100 different pictures of what that means for them in their own mind. Talk a little bit about uh, about the, the visual impact of audio. Well, I mean, it's a cliche in our line of work, you know, to say that, you know, uh, the radio has the best pictures. But, you know, part of the one of the simple skills of storytelling is creating a scene, you know, and you picking just the right word or words that immediately uh, develop an image in the mind of the listener. And then adding a word that forces that image to change a little bit, you know, maybe the person has, you know, uh, really sharp teeth and you suddenly you have to adapt and, uh, and make the face that was in your head completely different. So you you are the listener is an active uh, participant. It's like like the the teller ha- tells you how to paint the picture, hands you the brush, and then tells you things to do. So it's a collaboration in a way that uh, that video isn't. You know, video is a passive uh, viewing experience, and radio and podcasting is an active listening experience so i can build pictures and scenes and settings and faces and actions uh, just really carefully with little teeny choices of sounds music words you know that, that's just a, a gas that's totally fun to do well is it is it too far a stretch to put like I, i'm actually i have this kind of uh you know Maslow's hierarchy in my head of of, of vehicles to communicate uh, ideas, <laughs> and and I've I've moved. Uh, I probably had video at the top for some time because I thought you know it has all of the stuff, right? You have pictures mm-hmm. and and sounds, um, and maybe even some words. But uh, if if those are what we're limited to, is like uh, visuals, whether they're moving pictures or, or standalone pictures, uh, sounds and words. If those are the primary building blocks of communicating. Um, is it is it too much of a stretch to put audio at the top of the heap, or is that just kind of a silly observation? Well, it depends on what you're trying to communicate. I, uh, you know, if you're trying to t- explain how to put together a bookshelf, then no, I would not put audio at the top of the heap. If you're trying to communicate how something feels and the kind of inner breath of an emotion, then okay. Helpful. And then last question. Um, if you were to paint a, uh, you know, and, you know, radio people, you guys are you know, utopians, it seems. So uh, if you were to paint a picture of a future, you know, that outlives both of us by a long time of what the common good, this is the piece I wanted to get back to earlier, mm. like a tool for a better society. What, what is that world? What could you imagine that world might be like? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, it, uh, 
If, let's say we go ahead and use the system we've built, uh, and so we keep these transmitters and figure out what they're good for. I would say then they become in the service of place rather than creating a community of affinity. They, they create the actual community of location, which is sur surrounds them. I mean, there is a circumferential described uh, community around a transmitter. And the build radio into something that functions to improve the place in all kinds of ways, make us know our neighbors better, make us understand our government better, uh, teach us things about our history, keep our history and future alive all the time. So you can kind of tune into this stream, which is describing the place you live and all the other people who live there with you. Uh, that and and look, I would unleash uh, artists and journalists and educators on that idea and say, do it, you know, get it into the schools, make kids part of it, make it a true kind of megaphonic uh, force for community. Uh, and and then you've got the internet, which is actually, I think, better for affinity than for place. It's not described by place. And then that's where, and this is what's happening now, that's where your sort of uh, artistic long form, where your niche uh, uh, stories reside. And so, and, and then maybe there is a device which can easily uh, move you back and forth between the world that's right around you on the ground and the world that's all around you and the planet. Well, I said that there was only one last question, but I have one more last question, Jay, and that is uh, you are deeply connected to the Moth uh, podcast where people kind of stand and deliver there. And for folks who aren't familiar, uh, and by the way, I've you don't have to go through the archives to find it, but I, I've, I've called the line. I've pitched my stories. I thought it was killer. I haven't gotten a call yet. Uh, I'm, and I'm looking for opportunities to to go and, and, and try to be involved in a live uh, opportunity to, to tell my story. But for folks who don't know, The Moth is a, um, a, a gathering of people who get to put their name in a hat, and if they get picked, they get to stand up and tell a story around that topic live and on the spot. And this is a project I know you're deeply passionate about, but talk a little bit about why storytelling is just important for society and culture. Well, it's fundamental, right? I mean, it's what makes us uh, human, you could argue, and many people have. I mean, the idea that we uh, create some kind of order out of the chaos of experience and then pass it on uh, one to the next and one generation to the next, you know, from early cave fires to uh, bars with microphones. And it's just so utterly simple and lovely. You know, I produced the Moth Radio Hour, and that's a collection of moth stories from all over the country and all over the world. And people stand up in the uh, slams, which you describe, where you put your name in the hat, and you can go do that. Yeah, just go, because there are lots of bad stories, too. <laughs> and... Uh, and then you can go to themoth.org and you can pitch your story right online. Anybody in the world can go there and say, okay, I've got a story. You talk for about two minutes. You'll hear me say, tell you what to do. And then you go just talk for two minutes. And then we save all those and we flag them. And next time we have a show in that area, we may give you a call and say, you want to work on this story. And then the moth directors work with you and they're incredible at sort of figuring out what the heart of your story is. But I love the moth because of it's just open, unexpected, human scale. And the, you know, if, if you're bored by the moth, there's really something fundamental, you have a deeper problem, because then you're bored by all of humanity. And that's, that's a difficult way to live. You know, uh, I mean, 
I would say if you don't like the moth, you don't like people because the range of stuff that comes out of all of us, the things that we've experienced and the stories we have to tell and the sense we make of things, you know, sometimes you are listening and you go, that is astonishing. I've never had that thought. I have never encountered experience like that. And I am changed for now knowing about it. And other times you listen and you go, oh my God, that is me. And I never knew it. I feel all those things. And I have never been able to put a name to it. And I, I look, I love the moth, people should listen to the moth, because to me, that's like the true spirit of public broadcasting right there. Everybody's invited, everybody gets to stand up, and everybody gets to tell their story, and people listen, and they listen with undivided attention for a long period of time to one other person, which is possibly one of the rarest, uh, uh, rarest gifts you can get anymore. This was episode 057 of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. GobyCollective.com is our new home for all things Converge. There you'll find past episodes as well as Go, the unconference for creatives looking to grow their business, Fastermind Coaching, business coaching every entrepreneur can afford, and much, much more. Want to join the collective? Check out GobyCollective.com. Music today provided by TripleSkinMusic.com. Sound as good as you look. Thanks to Anna Quaza at acreative.co for her audio production. And a special thanks to Jay for being with us. Visit him. In fact, probably the best place to start with him because there's so many places to look is Transom.org. Finally, if you haven't shared an episode of Converge with a friend, would you consider it? Think of one person right now who you think would benefit from my conversations with Seth, Chris, Ann, Ryan, or Jay, and many others beyond that, and invite them to join in. You caring enough to do that sort of thing is a nod to us that we're doing something right, and like leaving those reviews on iTunes, we see you, it takes time, we appreciate it, it's a really big deal, so thank you. That's it for now, I'm Dane Sanders, I cannot wait until next time.